Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crossview Church. I'm Pastor Holly. I'm so glad to be worshiping with you this morning. Today, we're going to be continuing our message series called One Another, where we're looking at scriptural directives that guide us as we seek to live in ways that honor God and that honor each other. We've looked at how to love one another, how to live in unity with one another, and both of those topics are so important for our world today. Today, we're going to continue to explore what it means to uh, be a people who encourage one another. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. What does it mean to encourage one another? Well, the word used in the New Testament literally means to, to call to one side. So it invokes this sense of invitation, of drawing near. And in the Bible, the word encourage is used very much in the same way that we use it today, meaning uh, to beseech or to comfort or to exhort. Pastor Kyle talked last week about the importance of living in unity with one another uh, as, as followers of Jesus and committing to encouragement as a core value, as a core principle of our relationships with one another is a significant way for us to work toward that unity. Unity and encouragement go hand in hand. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. There are so many stories throughout the Bible of how God's people encourage one another, but the best example uh, I know comes, of course, from Jesus himself. Right now in our world, people are discouraged. People are grieving the loss of loved ones, perhaps due to COVID-19, or they're suffering through the illness themselves. There's widespread financial insecurity. There's deep loneliness due to the pandemic and isolation. And of course, in our country and in communities around the world, we are experiencing and witnessing the pain of racial injustice. These are discouraging times. Sometimes we can recognize the need for encouragement, but we don't know what to do. We can be paralyzed by a fear of saying or doing the wrong thing. We don't want to be insensitive and we don't want to intrude. And so we do nothing. We feel helpless. But we are Christ followers. We live with the indwelling power and love of God's own spirit. We are not helpless and we are certainly not called to do nothing. We're called to rise up and to stand with our sisters and brothers in their hour of need. We are called to encourage one another. Tucked into the middle of the gospels, Jesus gives us an incredible example of how to encourage one another. It's a story of grief, compassion, love, and humanity. Jesus's beloved friend, Lazarus, had fallen ill and died. This was not an acquaintance, this was a dear friend. And so Jesus found himself in a position that that perhaps we find ourselves in from time to time, maybe even right now, of encouraging his hurting friends, even while he himself was grieving. 
Jesus shows us how to encourage one another by speaking words of life, by being present, and by actions that call forth life. Let's consider Jesus' example. It's in John uh, chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, though his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. When Jesus learned of his friend's death, his response was to go. He did not sit idly by with a sense of distanced pity. He did not wonder what he could do to help. He went to the people who were hurting. This was not convenient for him. In fact, it wasn't safe for him. Uh, just a few days earlier, uh, when he traveled through the same area, the people who lived there had tried to kill him, but still he went. Jesus always moves toward suffering, not away from it. If we are to encourage one another, we also have to be willing to move toward suffering. Now I want to speak to just a moment to the note that scripture makes here that, that when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two days before he went to him. That might seem a little disconnected from the compassionate response that Jesus shows throughout this story. And it's okay when we run across things in scripture that don't quite make sense. It's okay for us to say, no, wait a minute, that doesn't seem to fit what's going on here and to take a closer look. So remember when Jesus said that when he first heard that Lazarus was sick, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. If you've heard this story before, you, you'll recall that at the end of it, Jesus does something big that reveals the glory of God and that helps the people around him to know that he truly had been sent from the Father. And if you haven't heard the story before, don't worry, no spoilers, we'll get to that part uh, in just a bit. If Jesus had gone immediately to Bethany, if he had arrived before Lazarus had died, then that opportunity to show his glory would not have been the same. Jesus waited so he could show people his glory and his power in meaningful and undeniable ways. 
Let's continue reading in verse uh, 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know, even now, that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. We encourage one another when we speak words of life. In her grief, Martha was drawn to Jesus. When she heard that he was near, she went to him for comfort. And Jesus, if you notice, Jesus did not barge into Martha's grief. He just made sure he was there. And then when Martha initiated a conversation with Jesus, then he responded with words of hope and life. No platitudes, no judgment, no agenda, hope and life. This is so important. If we are to be a people who encourage one another, the words we speak to each other must be words of life. We encourage one another when we speak words of life that bring comfort, courage, and correction. Jesus' words did all three. He comforted Martha by telling her that her brother would rise again. He offered courage by telling her that those who believe in him will never die. And when Martha said, I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection, Jesus corrected her so gently by saying, I am the resurrection. His words were few, but they were all words of life. Words of life bring comfort, courage, and correction. But we can only share words of life with others if we ourselves are connected to the source of life, to Jesus. When we remain in him, abide in him, he fills us with his life, and from that overflow, our words become words of life. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If the overflow of our hearts produces words of pain or fear or confusion, rather than comfort and courage and correction, then it's probably time to take a look at what's in our hearts and at how well we're staying connected to Jesus. The life that Jesus brings does not produce words that wound. It produces words of life. We encourage one another by speaking words of life. After Martha spoke with Jesus, she went back and told her sister Mary that Jesus was near and Mary hurried to meet him. Let's pick up the story again in verse uh, 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. We encourage one another by being present. 
Mary did not turn to Jesus for words as Martha had. In her grief, she fell at Jesus' feet and wept. And Jesus responded with a compassion born of common humanity. He wept along with her. Mary did not ask for words, and so Jesus did not offer them. Instead, he wept. Being present with those who are hurting, those, those who are discouraged, is one of the most powerful acts of love and encouragement that we can offer. Mary's needs were different than Martha's. Martha had needed conversation. She needed to be heard, and she needed to hear words of life. Mary needed someone to weep with her. And as we seek to be people who encourage one another, it is so important that we pay attention to the actual needs of the people we're trying to encourage, rather than forcing our way forward with, with means of encouragement that might feel most comfortable to us. When we do that, we may miss the mark of, of actually encouraging the other person. Bulldozers are not encouraging. Mary didn't need words. She needed someone to weep with her. And so that's what Jesus did. He was present. Encouraging one another by being present can look like many different things. It can be a hand on a shoulder, a hug, a smile of understanding. It can be sitting in silence. It can be standing in solidarity. It's rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. To be present is to show someone that we see them and that we're here for them. We encourage one another by being present. And finally, let's wrap up this story. I told you that Jesus does something big here at the end, and here it is. Let's start in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. We encourage one another with actions that bring forth life. Jesus encouraged Mary and Martha by his words and by his presence, and then he also went on to act. He went directly to the place of suffering. He, he went, in this case, to the grave of his friend, and, and he used his power and his authority to bring renewed life. Days after Lazarus' death, when his family and his friends had resigned themselves to this tremendous loss, Jesus wasn't done. There was work to be done. There was healing to take place. There was life to be restored. Jesus told people to get ready to see God work. He prayed, and then he boldly used his voice to bring life. This is where God moves to bring renewed life and restored hope. 
And in his grace, he allows us to be a part of that. As followers of Jesus, we are defined by resurrection. And so we can move forward in faith straight to the place of suffering. We can go there boldly, without fear, because we lean on Jesus's words, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. We can pray and we can get to work. Actions that call forth life require us to step away from our own desires and our own comfort and to step toward the needs of another. What do those actions look like? We're given a really clear directive in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, which says, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Actions that call forth life are acts of justice, acts of mercy, and acts of humility. Acting with justice means standing up for those who are oppressed, speaking up for those who are marginalized, and refusing to let the powerful take advantage of those who are powerless. Acting with mercy means extending forgiveness and grace to those who offend, and it also means lavishing kindness on others. Jesus described it like this, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Acting with humility means admitting failures, asking for forgiveness, acknowledging ignorance, and it means being willing to listen and to learn. Our efforts to encourage will fall flat or may even cause harm if we aren't willing to listen and to learn from our sisters and brothers and from their experience and their wisdom. Actions that call forth life are acts of justice, mercy, and humility. We can join in the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit because we are a resurrection people. And if we continue to do this resurrection work, we will see life in that which was declared dead. Let's encourage one another as Jesus did. Let's go to the place of suffering. Let's speak words of life. Let's be present and let's take action that calls forth life. And when we do, when we see the resurrection power of Jesus that work in homes and in communities around us, we will know the immeasurable joy of saying along with Jesus, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God of resurrection. Thank you for being a God who restores life and who speaks life into us, who calls forth life from that which has been declared dead. God, we want to join you in this work, and so we commit to being a people who encourage one another, who love one another, who live in unity with one another. We want to follow your example, God. Give us the wisdom and the courage to be people who speak life into the lives of others, people who are present with others in their suffering and people who, who boldly take action to call forth life. Lord, we want to stay in you. We want to abide in you so that the overflow of our hearts is, uh, is that of love and is that of life. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to always stay in you so that we can continue to speak life to others. 
We love you, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.